Welcome to Dhamma on the Sidewalk, insights, interviews, and practical tips on the teachings of the Buddha for people of all walks of life, attuning, exploring, integrating the teachings in everyday life. Simple Dhamma for daily life. I'm Asoka, hosting Dhamma Capsule for people like you. Hello and welcome to Dhamma on the Sidewalk. I'm recording from Sarnath. Sarnath is a small urban center or is a suburb of Varanasi in Uttar Pradesh. Varanasi, former, formerly called Benares, a very sacred and uh, spiritually focused city on the banks of the river Ganges. Sarnath is an important step in my pilgrimage as it is the location where 2,600 years ago, the Buddha taught his first teaching, which is a summary of the Noble Eight for the Path. It is known as the Dhamma Chaka Pavatana Sutta, the first turning of the wheel of Dhamma. So as I'm having my eyes currently set on a peacock, a beautiful peacock picking up edible items from a patch of land, which seems almost like an oasis in the desert as these cities in India are very dusty and tend to have a very high level of urban pollution. This little patch of organic garden and the homestay where I am is really the perfect location to publish this very rich and dense podcast conversation with Pallavi Shantapuram, a small business owner based in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates. As nothing really comes random, the organic patch is a reminder how important it is to cultivate healthy habits towards the environment, just as the podcast is entirely dedicated onto our footprint as human beings on the earth, and its corollary dimension of interconnectedness between our human footprint, the human footprint in general, and the well-being of the planet as a third part of the equation. The fact that this is being recorded in Sarnath, where the Buddha taught its, its, his first teaching, or the summary of the eight, Noble Eightfold Path, it just is a reminder that everything we do in our life, the way we operate in our reality comes out from our own mind and that at the seed of our behavior in life, there are the three poisons, greed, ill will and delusion. So putting all these elements together, the conversation with Pallavi is definitely a reminder that it is 
possible to have a positive impact and a positive footprint in the sense positive not that we create more footprint but a positive way to operate on this earth to reduce harmful footprint and harmful impact and try as human beings to look at what can be done to simply be a better person not just a better person for ourselves and our own little well-being but for everything that surrounds us because everything is interconnected there is in the zen tradition uh, every very popular uh, representation of this interconnectedness and on the fact that uh, the seed of everything comes back to us and simplified as into a cord. The seed and the grain of rice and the rice in the, my bowl are exactly the same things. We, from the seed in the soil, the seed, let's say, right, the grain of rice in the soil and the rice on my plate, I scan and browse through all the interventions on earth, packaging, distribution, selling, transformation, and so forth. Interconnectedness is the focus of Ekodharma. Ekodharma is, is not as popular as one would say the Dharma, usually as the investigation of the mind and connected to the teachings of the Buddha, but Ekodharma is a very critical aspect of the Dharma. It just points to that interconnectedness of everything. And as you listen to a conversation with Pallavi, the, the thread of her mindset is just reminding us of everything there, how we can also emulate uh, nature. Pallavi is a verified champion on sustainability. She hosts a podcast called She Heroes on sustainability. Uh, as living in Dubai, she also attended the recent um, COP28. We recorded th this uh, conversation with her on the heels of the COP28, just as it concluded. And she gives us a fresh perspective and very simple uh, insights on how we can come back to how we are doing things on our own and how we can recollect the importance of our presence on Earth and how we can have a simple footprint less harmful footprints on this earth. I'll close this introduction with a quote of the Buddha. Hard to gain is birth as a human being. Hard is the life of mortals. Hard to get is the hearing of the true Dhamma or teachings of the Buddha. Hard is the appearance of the Buddhas. This means simply that a human being counts as a very, very, very tiny portion of the number of sentient beings on the planet. 
it is hard to obtain a human life. It is fragile and vulnerable, and the true gift is a gift of Dhamma, because it teaches us to investigate the mind. How are you? Hi, Asoka. I'm good. And thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And how is it in Dubai at the moment? It was supposed to be winter, but I don't see it very cold. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. It's pleasant. It's nice. I'm enjoying the outdoors in the evenings. Afternoons is always hot. Okay. And uh, the COP28 that was just completed in Dubai, you participated in that somehow you attended some of the sessions. It was open to everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. Like there were two zones, blue zone and the green zone. So the blue zone is only for the uh, delegates and, you know, uh, country delegates and uh, some also a few people who were uh, invited. Green zone was open to all the public. It was open to a lot of panel discussions were going on. So everybody was invited, was welcome to listen to those discussions, to listen to what solutions are being implemented, what are the challenges uh, different countries are facing. So mm -hmm. it was a nice, uh, it was open to public and yeah, it was, it was a good experience to see what all is happening. Since I've known you, I, I, I only heard about sustainability uh, that's your passion. So can you give us a little background on how did that happen, that a civil engineer is so much involved in sustainability to the point of having set up um, a small business in Dubai? You share a bit about your recent um, upgrade also as a sustainability verified champion podcaster. And um, yeah, just give us a bit of a, a background about you. So it's a long story, though, how I transitioned to sustainability. But if I had to cut it short first, uh, yeah, uh, I am a civil engineer and worked as a structural design engineer for 12 years before quitting to start uh, a social initiative called the Eco Loop. Uh, frankly speaking, this uh, starting EcoLoop was a bit of a passionate and impulsive decision. I, I was studying for a certification uh, around six to seven years back. Uh, it was a series of events that triggered my love for nature, I must say. I don't want to really elaborate the whole story. It's very a long story. Uh, but that then led me to uh, take up a certification in green buildings. I wanted to transition from structural design to administering green buildings. So I was studying for a certification in energy and environmental design. That's when I was exposed to the fact that uh, how much harm is happening in the environment, which is human-induced, made me feel guilty. I started, uh, along with my studies, I started changing my own habits. I started auditing myself. And, uh, and I realized my friends and family around were not really aware of the crisis we are facing and what is coming upon us. That's when I decided uh, I should do something to create more awareness and share the learnings which I was getting from because of that certification study. I also started researching more out of it uh, about the climate problem and the environmental problem. 
and yeah that's what made me actually become very that that made me very passionate to spread this word and awareness about the environmental issues and also i felt there should be solutions so people can transition uh, to a more sustainable lifestyle because that's what i was looking for and back then there were not much of the solutions that's what mm-hmm. made me uh, start the eco loop which is a small online uh, shop which where uh, i sell eco friendly products and uh, also the main focus was to help people with research research based information on sustainable living but then gradually it i evolved and uh, uh started focusing more on content creation and uh, through my journey i met so many wonderful women especially uh, who were really taking it a uh, lot of action in uh, environmental uh, in creating solutions for environmental problems and also uh, i was learning so much from them i was so inspired that's what then made me start Uh, the eco shiros podcast so i host this podcast where i also have solo podcast as well as guest podcast so all my guests uh, share their expertise and uh, what their knowledge yeah. uh, and easy practical tips on eco friendly living which helps people transition to a more sustainable lifestyle which is good for their health as well as very good for the environment and solo podcast where i share the research and learnings i do and what helped me in my life uh, by living sustainable so yeah that uh, that led to the eco shiros podcast and uh, yeah then my work started got getting recognized and then i was selected uh, by this is a, a initiative called verified champions which is a joint initiative of the united nations and uh, ngo called purpose they they have start, started this campaign which is uh, yeah it's a campaign where they have selected few content creators from uh, uae and brazil who will be creating content uh, to uh, to fight misinformation about climate change because there is a large chunk of uh, society who are in climate denial like uh, they don't believe in climate change and they don't believe uh, there is a problem happening so uh, th- this campaign uh, focuses on on you know highlighting the real problems pushing people to take individual actions and push their governments or you know the people <laughs> whom they can influence to take action yeah that i hope that uh, answers whatever you asked yeah. me that that's wonderful actually i i actually have a subsidiary question to this green building i'm interested in the would it be correct to say that green building is similar to passive houses you know green buildings are buildings which are built so that they are uh, efficient in the resources it is used to build the building it yeah. is energy efficient energy and uh, it it produce it will be uh, you know it can be reused again and again because you know all resources are very uh, crucial and uh, if if uh, something like a building is demolished all that waste is also uh, quite harmful to the environment if it is just dumped so everything has to be reused recycled and the materials used 
in the building have to be eco-friendly. So it should not create any other harm to the people living inside the building as well as emitting some, you know, harmful yes. Yes. chemicals yeah. out yeah. in the environment, polluting the environment. And of course, energy efficient because the more energy you use, the more fossil fuels or, you know, if there is no renew, uh, like the buildings should be run on renewable energy and efficiently designed so there is less energy used. So yeah, there's a lot of parameters in a green building. So, so yes Go so ahead. yeah this this certification is uh, sort of a uh, it it has a rating system so the more uh, efficient and sustainable your building is it gets the best rating so it helps also in creating awareness to people that you know how uh, sustainable it is and it also kind of uh, creates a change in habits of the residents of the building or even if it is a commercial building it is you know, reflecting that you need to be mindful of. To... It's a bit similar to there's a, now a very strong trend and a new practice in, um, in some of the Western countries in particular, where any products that you purchase on the supermarket or, I mean, purchase normal products like household products and food products in particular, have a carbon footprint so they they would basically it's the tracing and all the tracking of the source of everything that com that 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 goes from the product itself to the packaging and everything that in terms of the distribution of this product i'm just talking in very general terms it can be eggs it can be flour it can be uh, meat it can be uh, cereal boxes it just tells you everything here is carbon carbon uh, carbon i mean tells you the carbon footprint or it tells you for instance just the package is net zero mm -hmm. content we cannot guarantee it so actually this concept applies yeah. to anything even for yes. building materials exactly. so the more ma the materials if they are sourced locally that yeah. is more sustainable because the carbon footprint is lower so if that applies to either materials or when it comes to our uh, everyday living it applies to the food you buy so the more local food you buy it has a lesser carbon footprint if you're buying something which is imported from miles apart uh, and flying through air it has a very huge carbon footprint so uh, that applies to a even even buildings so when we are sourcing materials for your building uh, the radius of this uh, you know uh, mm -hmm. the kilometer circle from which you are uh, getting your material the smaller it is the better it is like right. it makes it more better so local sourcing is the key to sustainable living so we rather be reliant but probably sometimes we live in some countries where you don't have those resources so you have to import it like Dubai we have most of the food coming from outside but thankfully now there is a lot of agriculture and you know a lot of uh, food is being grown in uae itself yes. uh, but still we rely on a lot of other food which comes from outside which does uh, then have a carbon footprint to it but uh, yeah the more um, further apart from the food comes in uh, it is consuming so much of carbon by you know uh, emitting carbon through uh, exporting through flights or through a normal transport and uh, then to keep the food fresh it is again sprayed with so much of you know chemicals which is also 
indirectly uh, related to fossil fuels so uh, mm-hmm. there is a lot of unsustainable happening there it i is- do have a, a bit of a challenging question for you it's going to be yeah. challenging i get it. it's it's kind of difficult to uh, to answer and in that sense mm-hmm. it's challenging but you definitely you are the person who might give us uh, some uh, some pointers uh, sensible pointers how is it possible that at this point in time, in 2023, there still are people who can be uh, climate deniers, climate climate problems, or environmental deniers. How, where do you think? How how, do, how is that possible? That not being aware that this is important. Well, even I thought that there would not be, but I was surprised when I put out my first uh, verified champion post where I was announcing myself as one and. I gave an affirmation state, affirmative statement that we have the solutions to climate change. That was my first statement of the post, of the video. And there were so many comments on my, uh, you know, TikTok reel. And it was mind-blowing. People were so angry at this statement because they said climate change is normal. It is just a cycle which happens. And why are you guys creating such a big, uh, you know, uh, problem out of it there is no problem there is climate change is normal this happens in cycles and this was like there were hundreds of comments on that it is like there are a lot of people who are in climate uh, denial you know they don't uh, they don't do, see the real do problem think, that... yeah do you think it has to do with just not wanting to see it or do you think it has to do because it requires yeah you you have to do the job you have to start inside there's there's something that we all have to do there's a there's a responsibility, there's a social responsibility that as individuals, as, as citizens of the country we live in, or as, as simple human being living on this earth, we need to have a social responsibility. So trying to limit as much as possible and changing some of the behaviors, or at least try. Do you think that it has to do with that? Or do you think it's because well, there's, a, there's a sort of a, of a trend about being just denial? What's your observation about that? In my opinion, I think there are two kinds of people. The first one is people who just simply deny. They don't want to really agree to anything. Uh, They have their own set of thinking. And also because Mr. Trump, who uh, endorses that climate change is a complete hoax. So there are people who support him. And on the other side, many people think that only one individual cannot make any change. So they just keep blaming the corporations or the governments and they don't think it is their responsibility. Mm-hmm. So they, and it's very difficult for individuals to sacrifice the conveniences, adva- technological advances and advancements have given them. So they, it is very difficult for them to sacrifice that and adopt a more, you know, go back to a few things where it will be less... Uh, uh, harmful to the environment this comes back a lot right being less mm. harm, harmful to the environment so what i'm interested in there is a passion there but there's there's a, an expert passion in the sense that you, you understand the the ins and outs of yeah as being a civil engineer you understand some of the the aspect of where sustainability entry points can start mm. and um this contribution and this footprint that we as human beings with everything that we do 
have in onto the environment. So that starts mm. by trying not to throw away the plastic bottle out of the window, but at least even try not to have a plastic bottle. If that is not possible, trying to discard it in a proper way. Then people would say, my government of my local community or my next level, I don't find any response from that. So there is no, and there is no proper disposal of this plastic bottle. Therefore, I don't need to do it. And that's where I think there's something wrong into this cycle. We do have a way to modify some of our behaviors so that we lower that harmful footprint that we can have both on the environment as well as on trying to advocate. So, and this is something that you're doing, for instance. And I really would like you also to take us a bit on what it is that you've been doing at the COP28 with the green, you know, the green, the green groups, like some of the activities okay. and everything. So if you can touch base a bit on all these things, so how we can change our habits, where does our echo responsibility where where can we actually start very simple in our normal life and i know that there's been a lot of your own uh on of your own changing habits in your household into and not just your company but as well as to a more like a practical policy level you've been involved by attending the cop 28 and you've been involved in a number of activities so there is a possibility to make this a practical step for not just raising awareness, but also to, to go a little further and take actions because holistically, we have only one planet we live on. Even if we can go to Mars next year, we still have yeah. majority of us is going to remain on Earth. So, and the overpopulation and our footprint on and the we Earth. we might just pollute Mars as well. Huh? <laughs> we might just pollute Mars as well, I said. It's true that the corporation have a role into it and there's a social corporate responsibility coming from there but human activity is actually one of the the one that has the most influence also on this footprint beside that it's not just the corporations right first i would like to explain what sustainability in my understanding is like you know because when we just advocate people that don't use plastic or you know recycle properly it really even probably I, I had listened to all this, but it never made any difference to me until I felt it for myself. For me, the seeds of understanding sustainability goes back to my engineering days. Back then in college, like we had to research on a topic in our field and present our papers to explain our understanding about the topic we researched. I chose a topic called biomimicry. So in layman terms, mimicking the structures built by uh, insects and creatures like spiders, bees, ants, uh, and how we can build efficient, resilient structures by mimicking these creatures. So it was a wonderful study and I was mind blown by uh, knowing that just by mimicking how these small insects are building their own structures, which are so strong and energy efficient. And there are so many structures built successfully with adopting this these principles of biomimicry. This exposed me to the fact that nature has solutions and uh, uh, it it just faded away. And through these years of my understanding of sustainability has kept evolving and uh, uh, just six to seven years back from my own life experiences, 
like i was going through a terrible time in my life when it came to my health both mental and physical health and uh, no medicines made any difference at that time it was only natural food and being in nature that cured me completely so it was a realization for me right then that nature has the solutions for everything we go through we just need to look for it in everything around us so for me the understanding of sustainability boils down to constantly learn from nature emulate how everything functions in the natural world and you live in sync with nature so uh, if, if i had to explain sustain, sustainability um, now as a in a holistic approach of living that protects the it is defined as a sustainability is a holistic approach of living that protects the people economy and the planet so this approach makes us more compassionate to all living beings it stands for three p's as i said it is people planet and profit it takes into consideration good health and well-being for the people a green and clean environment which helps all living creatures including humans to thrive and flourish as we all are interdependent right and yes. a very healthy economy which gives equal opportunities and has ethical practices so if we want to sustain our earth's resources we have to look into our lifestyle habits what materials we use how do we use it how much do we consume and most importantly is how do we dispose our waste so there is a famous quote by annie leonard there is a, she says there is no such thing as away when we throw anything away it must go somewhere and from my research it is estimated that if we don't act now by 2050 the landfills will outgrow human population so you can imagine how much waste we are creating knowingly or unknowingly so this awareness is so important uh, to create that it is about how much you are consuming because these days we are just mindlessly into consuming everything uh, in the name of uh, you know amplifying our lifestyles even unwanted things we are buying we are wasting so much of uh, everything right from food to uh, everything you buy clothes it's uh, exceptionally high so yeah. that has to be uh, yeah. you know these things uh, it's 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 about uh, consuming in what uh, you need like you know uh, focus more on your necessity rather than your wants so exactly uh, that that is the key to being sustainable so it is a very simple equation if people can understand that just don't over consume and uh, because over consumption also leads to lot of waste which is the biggest problem in these days waste management is a huge problem uh, it's it's the food that gets wasted gets uh, piled up in the land landfills it is turning into methane and methane is more uh, more potent gas than car uh, than carbon dioxide and it is like it is said to be i think three times more harmful than carbon dioxide so yes. uh, so yeah uh, just like you know being mindful to start with just being mindful of what you're consuming because ultimately it is going to benefit your own health if you consume in moderation and also be mindful of what materials you are using if if you don't have a plastic disposal method then try to avoid refuse plastic packaging or you refuse things which you will get in plastic try to buy things which are not in plastic and uh, i'm sure the healthy ones 
ones are always not packed in you know plastic but it's something that comes close to a circular economy right it's also trying yes. is is trying for instance whenever possible check first if there is really a way maybe to repair or if there is a way exactly. to buy second yes. hand or instead of throwing away maybe even give it to a charity that can just reput it back into the cycle and, yeah and extend the life span of anything you buy like before you buy if you are more uh, mindful of buying a more good quality product which is going to last you long and like before buying any anything if we take into consideration what material it is made of long it will serve you whether at the end of its life you can recycle it or not whether it can be repurposed for something so just considering these questions will help in making uh, proper decisions when you are buying anything and so, you know from in a buddhist uh, perspective there is a concept that is being used eco dharma or eco dharma where everything is and you mentioned it without using the word ekodharma but it's where everything is interdependent and as 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 you quoted this author there is no mm. such thing as a way when i throw it away where does it yeah. actually go? it doesn't disappear it goes somewhere right. else in the nature as well if you see everything is getting repurposed recycled uh, you know the dried leaves falling onto the ground it gets gets decomposed turns to soil then that's food for the worms the worms are doing their work like everything if you observe in the nature everything is being recycled nothing is left anywhere like you know uh, it's a closed loop so we just need to observe nature and i think just emulate how it works right there is no such thing as away when we throw anything away it must go somewhere so and just as in nature if you emulate nature nothing goes away everything stays in the cycle you know someone's waste is food to something else then something else is a food to something else so it's it's the complete cycle so similarly if we emulate that cycle in our lifestyle as well uh just think that there is no place to throw away so at the end of life of anything if we consider repurposing it or uh, you know uh, uh, if you think that repurposing something becomes difficult or you don't have any ideas then gradually you will reduce the consumption of such things so you know it slowly gradually changes your habits and you become more conscious about what you bring into your life and for me i am a staunch minimalist so i find so much peace in being a minimalist it is uh, it has really brought so much uh, uh i don't know peace of mind to me i don't have to worry about too many belongings and too much stuff at home uh, because i just buy what is needed even when it comes to clothes or uh, anything at home so uh, i don't say that everybody has to become a minimalist but i'm just saying that <laughs> when there is less things you hold on to uh, you don't have the stress of how you will discard it and what you will do with it like at the end of its life right so, so we're going like, back to this also we something that we can do ourselves right so it's it's yeah. really, you mentioned it before unless you we kind of wake up that our our own little life even if we live on our own and we don't have a big household our own impact mm. on the world could be more uh sustainable instead of just being about 
inconsiderate consumption. That's where that's what you you touch. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there is a social responsibility uh, that we all have, and yes. then obviously, what is difficult, like for everything, as a matter of mm. fact, in terms of of. Uh, what can be we can do and align and, and aligning that with policies that are being offered to us by you know by our lo local communities or local governments and at the mm. at the, the the macro level the the actually the actual policies from our governments it has to come to some alignment and there i think is where there is a also, we can have an influence on that. And maybe yeah. protesting is one way of doing it, but they are actually more, they are, they are, they are important in the, in the sense of maintaining the momentum alive, that there is, there, you know, there are issues that need to be taken care of. But so I'd like to have more insights from you on what is actually happening or what you have heard that is actually happening at the policy level, because these are the policies that those are conferences like the COP28 and they are not just lip service. They, they, they do come up in the long run. They do have impact and that certain things that need to be aligned with so that we can care more and be more and have more sustainable practices uh, in our lives it's not going to happen overnight. So some of these policies will take time, but I'd like to have you to share with us some insights of what, 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 what were your observations hot off the press <laughs> from the COP20, <laughs> what were your observation? And I know you've been involved in some activities over there and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I can only give my observations and uh, I am a optimist. And I always like to see the brighter side of things. Uh, th there will be judgments. There will be, you know, uh, opinions. For me, I felt, I, I think uh, we are progressing. And uh, COP20, in at the COP28, uh, it was a great uh, beginning. Uh, I mean, today morning, they announced the final report where all the uh, countries gave their consensus to this report where they have decided to transition away from fossil fuels. Well, there were a lot of, of course, it is disheartening for many countries who are uh, heads-on facing climate change effects like the island countries. Yeah, it might be a little disheartening for them because uh, unfortunately they are facing seeing a lot of crisis more than you know we do uh, but but it is a good step to start off at least this has come into the report that all countries are going to slowly transition away from fossil fuels they, they have decided upon i i don't uh, know the legal terms but in layman terms i can explain that there is a consensus that uh, they will be capturing like the carbon emissions technology is being developed to capture the carbon emissions from in the oil and gas industry, something called fracking. Then there's methane emissions. Yes, yes. Uh, so these methane emissions are going to be captured. So the, all the countries have given their consensus. So that is a big move. And uh, the would, uh, would you mind when you say all the countries, we have to maybe remind our our listeners that the COP28, the, these UN conferences, when we say all the countries, is the 192 countries who, uh, which are members yeah. of 
the UN, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is the United Nations uh, Conference of Countries. Yes. Uh, so it is, uh, it is uh, a conference of all 192 countries who have uh, participated in working towards the Paris Agreement, which is uh, working towards keeping the temperatures to 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, pre-industrial era. And uh, we are already at 1.2 and we are seeing huge, uh, you know, crisis happening. So just imagine if we cross 1.5 and uh, there is an ultimatum given by the Paris Agreement that if we cross 1.5, we cannot come back. Now we can still fix the problem. We can find solutions. But if we cross 1.5 degrees Celsius, we cannot stop the melting of the ice caps and, you know, all the uh, harm that is happening. We haven't reached. No, I mean, we are working. Uh, policies are being made to work uh, in alignment to keep the temperatures uh, to 1.5. It is going to increase because we still have don't have the technology or we don't have everything ready to phase out fossil fuels completely. As per the United Nations, the only way we can uh, maintain 1.5 degrees is by phasing out fossil fuels. So uh, that's what we need. Hopefully in the next COP that should happen. But uh, uh, that's what uh, is needed because fossil fuels is one of the biggest contributor uh, in climate change and global warming. Uh, so yeah, that uh, but that was a good move that at least a transition from uh, like all countries have decided to transition away from fossil fuels, uh, triple uh, triple their renewable energy. And uh, yeah, the more details you'll find it if you check out the COP28 report. But that was that and also increase energy efficiency by two times. So yeah, and um, there were a lot of key takeaways. The best part was that the uh, COP28 presidency announced that 152 world leaders have signed up uh, for its landmark agriculture, food and climate action declaration. So I found this very profound and uh, very impactful because uh, soil is something which can ca capture carbon. But in these times, because of excessive use of uh, fertilizers, synthetic fertilizers, which are again fossil fuel based, uh, the soil is losing its nutrients and it's not able to hold uh, water, neither it is able to capture carbon. Mm -hmm. So the more nutrient the soil becomes, the more resilient our food systems will become uh, and uh, the more capture it, uh, the more carbon it can capture. And uh, it is said, research says that uh, if soil can actually mitigate 40% of the carbon. Uh, uh, so uh, this is a very good move where agriculture and food systems are getting its importance where, uh, you know, like even a, in a desert country like UAE, they are implementing organic and regenerative agriculture. So which means you are uh, growing crops in crop rotation with use of natural fertilizers. And uh, by that, you are actually improving the soil health health so the soil can uh, absorb water better it can retain water and it can also capture carbon uh, so it is going to help in a big way as well uh, because it seems uh, if we don't do that now anyways by 2050 there is going to be a famine because uh, there is going to be a big food security problem the food yields the agricultural yields are going down and um, there is no food 
that will be able to we will be able to grow if the soil is not nutrient rich mm -hmm. so this is a great move i feel from this cop and uh, thankfully many 152 out of the 192 countries have signed to this uh, deck yeah exactly so that and that will solve almost 70 to 80 percent of our food uh, like you know from where our food comes and it will also benefit a lot of farmers small scale farmers uh, so yeah it is a great move and also uh, what i got to knew right and or right on the first day a loss and damage fund has become operational the loss and damage fund so this fund aims to help vulnerable nations uh, cope with the impacts of climate change because frankly speaking climate change is because of the wealthy countries who have used fossil fuels and they developed and they have emitted the maximum carbon uh, carbon emissions whereas the small affected islands and small countries who are worst hit are the ones who are now developing and uh, they are paying the brunt of the climate you know uh, climate change and pollution so mm -hmm. this fund will act responsible for this climate change are going to allocate funds to help the people uh, cope uh, like you know who are being affected by climate crisis right now so that this fund will go to those countries and to help them relocate or you know provide them resources or provide them technology to uh, build a more uh, uh, what do you say resilient um, uh, energy system so the, the the results of the cop 28 are kind of optimistic then they go into the sign yes. sign of aligning with what we can actually to come back a bit to what we can do us uh, at the at the household help i would say in our in our own little um bulb of influence that we can have on positive influence that we can have on the on the environment yeah. is not just about caring about nature and other in other aspects which are coming to sense obviously on the sense that caring for the environment is about sustainability but sustainability is also about looking at all the production side and all yes and all the equ equitable distribution of how uh, yeah, as you said, the lost and damage, what can be done globally so that... To reduce yeah. the emissions, yeah. Yes, and give us some practical examples of what can be done mm. into um, into our, our daily life. Sure. To see, yeah. like, what is it that we can actually do in our own, because the practical yeah. tips and all of that. And I know you have a lot of examples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think we should start where uh, we find it easy when it comes to like, you know, uh, doing something like might be carrying your own bag uh, instead of uh, uh, picking a plastic bag from uh, a shop might be difficult for you. So then at least carry your own bottle. So you don't have to keep buying plastic bottles. Or if you forgot your bottle might be you buy a bottle of water, which is packaged in glass and reuse that bottle and uh, my, I feel personally and what do we do when the plastic bottle is a plastic bottle that there's no other option of a, of a glass bottle. yeah so then then use but I would not suggest to re reuse the plastic bottle because there is a science which mentions that water you know there is a reason why it is disposable plastic 
it yes. is going to emit toxins into your water so it's not recommended to reuse a disposable like one time use plastic bottle you then at least recycle it use it you know use it for something else where you don't have to consume from it so uh, we can use it for toxin products or we can use it for vinegar or we can use it yeah. for, for yeah for making bioenzymes or you know uh yeah exactly where you need a plastic bottle you can't use a glass bottle because with due to fermentation the glass bottle will just explode so you need to use a plastic bottle when you're making bioenzymes so might be use it for that or you know fill in or anything but not consume from it uh so just if we if we think about our health because many a times we humans are quite selfish right so we we need to think uh before taking anything or uh, using any material think whether that is going to do any harm to you and if it is going to do any harm to you it is going to harm the environment also frankly speaking so uh, that's if you can use that uh, use that point to buy anything so like if you are buying some food if you are going to store your veggies in plastic bag it's not good for you as well it is going to slowly leach chemicals into your food so rather uh, then you will remember to carry your own bags uh, your cloth bags so you uh, pick up vegetables in that and it's a reuse right so it is going to be reused for so many times it is producing less waste and uh, try and reduce single use products so, so as as much waste less we can create that is the best so try and reduce disposable products so try to reuse and uh, buy more of reusable products so you are increasing the lifespan and you are reducing the requirement to produce more um and yeah just try to support sustainable businesses who are creating products which are more eco friendly uh, it is good for your own health and uh, you don't need to buy too much you just need to buy when needed and uh, if you could support because they a, if a proper sustainable business is also ethical they are taking care of fair wages to the people who make those products everything is taken care so if you could support sustainable product businesses that would be great so you are giving out a message that you need more of such businesses and that will encourage you know um governments to push such businesses and even corporations will start taking action and actually make it, make their operations as well more sustainable so yeah that uh when it when you are uh, so when it comes to buying anything if you just think of how it is going to affect your health and uh, how are you going to dispose it off that will be that will be a big uh, you know move towards trying to live more sustainable as well as when when you're in your house be more energy efficient don't excessively use uh, anything like you know don't be negligent about how much water you are using about uh, how much energy you are consuming like using acs at you know proper temperatures so there is not much energy required to cool it like you know yeah. uh, so such small small things when you are not in a in a room just switch off the lights switch off the uh, power switches your gadgets so you know there is no uh, what do you say uh, switch loads so there these are all small things which we can all do it like it doesn't take much effort to be more mindful of how much energy we are using 
so these things and it is good for your uh, you know pockets as well it's going to save your money uh, and then yeah excessive use of water because we are privileged to have 24 hours water but there are so many countries who are struggling uh, with you know uh, even uh, getting uh, good clean filtered uh, water so uh, we need to value all these resources and be more mindful of how we use it then uh, try to reduce your paper usage uh, because now we have the such technological advancements so we we can write in our you know use our phones take uh, digital notes and even if you buy some uh, if you buy books try to buy recycled paper books or uh, properly managed forest paper like fse certified paper books so that that also will help you know in uh, because so many trees are being cut for manufacturing paper then reduce the usage of tissues because i think in some time we never had the habit of using tissues now it's become such a uh, like you know nuisance of using too many tissues so use less start by using less then and you now you have many options of bamboo tissues unbleached bamboo tissues or tissues made of recycled paper try using that, those if you can't avoid tissues uh so these small habits can uh, you know help you as well as uh, uh make a statement that everybody wants to support a sustainable lifestyle so there will be more businesses who will create such products and the prices will all come down and it's because before there was no nothing called organic everything was organic now there's a special term called organic vegetables and not not organic vegetables so we have to go to those we have to reach those times where everything is going to be organic and it's normal so so yeah that's uh, so yeah try to buy organic as much as possible because when you reduce your expenditure on uh, useless stuff in uh, not buying useless stuff you have more money to buy good healthy food so good healthy organic food so in a way you are supporting the farmers and encouraging farmers to grow organically So, so these are some things which come to my mind yeah, we can do we can do in our own you know this is such a a crucial uh it's a crucial topic actually and it's it's something yeah. that's been of concern uh some of the climate as you were saying mentioning before some of the climate uh, deniers are saying yes it's true the climate has been changing for the past eons mm. the life has of gone mm. on on earth right now in this 21st century of changing and trying to mitigate some of the negative impact then we can do it it it's true we can't be we can and, uh, we can't be too much of a fatalist and at the same time the the causes and the conditions with which this climate change are happening if we notice yeah. that we actually are influencing it then try to actually Yes. yeah the i if you have heard about the ipcc that is the intergovernmental panel for climate change yes. these are a group of scientists who have created a report on yes. the you know uh, how the climate change has taken place and how the temperatures are increasing so this is a proper scientific research they have mentioned that 
climate change this climate change is human induced it is not a natural cycle so this all is happening due to our uh, activities increased level of fossil fuel usage and uh, uh, everything contributes not only fossil fuel the built environment contributes so much to even agriculture these days because deforestation is happening to increase agriculture and that in turn leads to uh you know warming up of the planet uh, so it's all interrelated so it is all human induced human activities are inducing climate change so it is our responsibility and uh, we cannot just push the blame on corporations or governments everybody is responsible it's like a triangle so the more the individuals take action the corporations are going to provide you with what you want what an individual wants the corporations are going to provide you and the if the corporations demand the, and you you know individuals in a democratic country individuals are, are electing their governments so they need to demand their leaders to take action so everything is interconnected so we can't really put the blame on each other everybody is responsible and we have to collectively uh, take action for our own well-being uh, because nothing is going to happen to the planet it's only that all the living beings on the planet will perish and it is going to again flourish the planet will flourish we have seen that during covid as well when we all humans were locked inside it was flourishing outside uh, the planet was more green the animals were happy so the problem is as humans we are inducing this climate change yeah and, it, and you know at the root of um, at the core Buddhist teachings, the seed of everything that humans do is called the three poisons. And the first poison mm. is greed. The second poison is ill will or uh, aversion. And the third yeah. one is delusion. So yeah. if you put this together, greed, greed, hatred and delusion or greed, ill will and delusion you kind of mm. have the shadow side of everything that you've been talking about. So if we can look at our own greed and, you know, somehow it's not just about not using plastic, as you, you mentioned, quite a number of critical uh, things that we, you become aware yeah. of. I, I really wanted to thank you for these, this is the richness of all these insights. It was very dense we don't have any um, sort of ambition of wrapping up the topic of sustainability on a podcast for an hour, but I think we've, we've done quite a good uh, way in a good way into um, sharing a number of uh, very, very critical and important uh, insights on, on all the levels, what is happening at the macro level, at the policy level, what is happening at the, intermediate level you know where there are communities yeah. doing things or there are groups of pressure group advocacy groups uh, and people like you and then there are those who can you know the micro level what we can do into our own have we forgotten anything is there anything that you would like to share just as a as a nice closing uh -huh. closing remarks something that because I can sense your passion and at the same time, mm -hmm. I know that you are very rational and with your, your, the background that you have is actually bringing up all these um, uh, kind of feeding up your passion for the sustainability. Yeah. 
So is there anything that you would like to share to just as a closing remark for this conversation we'll have today? You know, even my journey has evolved. Initially, when I started, I felt everybody should, you know, do things which will, uh, as suggested, like eliminate this, reuse, recycle. But then I felt gradually that people, uh, there is a backlash. And when somebody is told to do something, they really don't like to do it. And they take a back seat. So I think rather than... Uh, preaching to someone that do something if the if the narrative is more focused on their health uh, and well-being then obviously nobody wants uh, bad health for themselves right so uh, ultimately what if something is unsustainable it is not going to give you good health so if if we can rather focus on uh, your health then you will make the right choices and ultimately that is going to be good for the people around you as well as the environment and uh, yeah having more compassion towards the living beings around you the people around you if that compassion is nurtured and if we have that uh, you know love for everybody around us we obviously start thinking that what we are doing should not impact someone else. So when it comes to like throwing away plastic, it is killing marine animals. It is ultimately, frankly speaking, it is reaching to your table through your food if you are eating fish. So, you know, it is coming back to you. So be more mindful. If it's we are more karmic. mindful. It's a karmic relation we have with this. Yeah, earth, right? exactly. Yeah. So yeah, focus more on uh, like, you know, uh, if if uh, rather by not being so preachy but yeah focus on your health and uh, well-being of others then obviously you'll take the right decisions yeah. when you are you know consuming oh, Pallavi, that is so such a such a rich uh, such a rich remark because it's exactly. it's touching it's touching really the the core of the whole of the whole topic Ash, uh, it's not just about something that is out there but it is yeah it is in here as well and and um what can we say that we can just hope that people will wake up to to that a little more yeah that we don't need uh, a, a major crisis to remind we have it we 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 have sufficient crisis already around that we actually absolutely we could actually start take and you've used the word compassion and i'm very happy about to hear that because it, it is actually about compassion and how it's coming back to us yeah this yeah. interconnectedness is not a mumbo jumbo is actually a very real great <laughs> uh, <laughs> concrete um connection that uh, that we have with our planet yeah i think we share the same energy right everybody on this planet so be yeah. more you know loving towards each other and we'll do the right things for yes uh, so pallavi okay keep doing the good job that we do and i wish you all the best for your uh podcast as a verified champion and I'll support you. <laughs> I'll keep supporting you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and you are doing such a great job. Thank you so much. 